Hi, and thank you for listening to the Risk Channels podcast. I'm your host, Mark Zettel. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the various elements that are affecting the property and casualty insurance industry, specifically the effects on brokers, agents, insureds, and carriers, both short-term and long-term, and where the industry is heading. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, this is Mark with uh, Risk Channels. Want to welcome you to the podcast. It's our uh, first recording, first episode, and uh, what we want to do today is just give you an intro what the podcast is going to consist of, and um, what we're going to be addressing in the podcast. Um, I am the managing director of ASC International, a privately held brokerage in the New York metropolitan area, and um, twelve years of experience here. And I'm just going to be giving you some background on and feedback on the current state of the affairs in the insurance industry, specifically the PNC side. Um, and the podcast is not going to be geared so much towards any one segment, i.e. agency, broker, or carrier, but we're going to touch on all different elements of the industry. Um, so you as a buyer, uh, an agent, broker, carrier representative can get a good understanding of how things are being developed and where they're heading today. Uh, today I actually have my, my brother, um, who is is a construction underwriter at a very large insurer down in Manhattan in New York City um, and we're gonna just touch upon some of the carrier challenges and hurdles in the current marketplace so again we can help some of you buyers agents brokers understand how the programs are being developed and maybe give you a little bit of ammunition when you're going into the negotiation process so with further ado or without further ado uh, Matthew Zettel um, and, and he'll get into a little bit of background who hey, he is. Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, I don't know if you could correlate the last name similarity, but uh, there's no relationship here. Uh, I, 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 I'm not his brother by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> so uh, with that said, my background, uh, as Mark had alluded to, is that of a construction underwriter um, in New York City, specifically focusing on New York City construction risks themselves and the, 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 the greater and larger metropolitan area. However, I have had a background working at multiple carriers. Um, prior, My prior life was that of a middle market to upper middle market um, underwriting analyst. Um, Prior to that, I have a banking and finance background. Well, why so, don't you Why don't you just give them a little idea of what the uh, what an underwriting analyst does, just so they can get your background and understand how you develop, definitely. You know, you know your your programs, what you did, mm -hmm. and then how that correlates to now how you operate on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in the underwriting analyst position, um, that was not specifically an underwriting role per se, but what it was was you were an aide to the underwriter. So uh, you know, you would develop the ratings, uh, for example, which is the preliminary um, pricing point and how an underwriter develops his pricing. Um, it's basically, uh, you know, the statutory filed rates that the state mandates a carrier um, either uh, essentially deviate from. And uh, th so that was one of my, my job functions in middle market. And middle market, again, was more of a generalist uh, line of business. Uh, I mean, uh, manufacturing operators, uh, accountancy firms. So, uh, so unlike today, where you focus purely on construction, construction. risks, um, in, in your previous life, you 
handled all facets of industry, um, not just focused on one particular exactly. industry. Exactly. It was a more of a broad basket, which is, you know, from a macro standpoint, very, very, um, it's very, it allows you a very, very uh, diversified understanding of the, of the greater market at large. Whereas now in the construction um, unit that I'm underwriting in, you know, it's more, much more niche in nature. However, as an analyst, again, you put together the ratings, you process the endorsements, you're very client facing in the sense that you're doing a lot of the servicing work, whereas now uh, it's more of a technical underwriting role. Um, what we kind of want to get at, though, is more or less the current state of the market and what carriers, the challenges and the hurdles that they're being um, they're being presented with and what they're doing to offset those challenges and hurdles. And what I can tell you in my current role from uh, being subjected to the organization at a greater level and a lot of the talks that occur around the office is carriers are um, actually not doing very well on the underwriting piece. They're losing money on the underwriting piece. They're offsetting that with their profitability on the investment piece. Um, how, or, how is that working today? Because I know that was a big thing, pre-recession, uh, um, and obviously, um, you know, carriers in general were willing to take more of an underwriting loss because of their returns on investment or ROI, whereas today um, that return seems to be less, and they're focused more on underwriting profitability. How, how is that? It is. How it's, is that? It's less diminished. I mean, the risk tolerance of a carrier historically was greater because of the greater potential for return um, on the investment side, and that's because of the current interest rate environment, the investment interest rate environment. Whereas carriers used to invest heavily in like large corporate investment grade bonds, United States Treasuries, where they would yield a much higher percentage on their on on the bond offerings. Carriers, what they're doing today more so is they're getting heavier into the private equity area of the uh, of the investment field, which are high risk but high return um, uh, uh, risk profiles. So I mean they'll throw a boatload of money at a company that might have high a high failure potential, but if they hit it big with one say of ten investments, that one investment will call it a three thousand percent return will make up for all those other lost out investments. Um, some very, are doing, sim very similar to like the uh, venture capital uh, uh, model. Exactly. Gotcha. And so some are doing better than others there, but um, essentially that is being done as a means to offset uh, the underwriting loss um, in the traditional sense of investing in corporate uh, investment grade bonds or uh, U.S. treasuries. Um, from a standpoint of the underwriting piece itself, and I can tell you on the ground level, the areas that were really, really getting hit hard, and I'm sure most people well-versed in the industry knows auto. Auto is a very, very, very underperforming, poorly performing area of the market. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, one of which, uh, the price of gas, as most people will notice when they go to the, you know, when they go to the pump is uh, much lower than it was historically, hence more uh, people on the road, more people driving, more frequency, potential for severity and accident um, uh, occurrences. Um, and then in tandem with that, with people, more people being out on the road more frequently is you have, um, I mean, pieces of equipment and technology embedded in these cars that cost a lot of money to replace. I mean, your the fender of your car has sensors in it and cameras, whether it's the front or the back of the car, GPS systems. Those are heavy, 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 high-priced pieces of machinery to replace. Um, what we do and my roles uh, to combat that is we're trying to get rate and we're trying to also um, impose larger retentions, physical damage, deductibles 
on behalf of the insurer. So standard, uh, in a standard situation where we would offer on a PPT, a private passenger vehicle, $1,000 deductible, we're pushing for two and $3,000 deductibles. Gotcha. For larger vehicles, um, tractor trailers, for example, if we're insuring those, we're, we're pushing uh, for you know $5,000 deductibles where we might have typically pushed for a $3,000 deductible. So essentially the onus of retention and risk sharing mm-hmm. with the client, the insured, is how we're trying to offset and combat that underperforming line of business. How do you guys pitch that to to an insured or a broker when you know traditionally the insured is looking for the cheapest deductible or the lowest deductible with the cheapest rate how do you guys combat that or pitch that to that broker mm-hmm. to present that offering to the insured i mean what, what types of techniques are you guys utilizing to say to this insured or potential insured hey you know you need to bear some risk here and yeah, your rate, even with bearing more risk, isn't what it was, you know, five years ago, ten mm-hmm. years ago. I mean, how are you guys combating that? It's essentially the rate savings. So with the higher retentions, we'll try to... Um, rate savings in comparison to your competition, you mean? In comparison, yes. yes. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. We personally aren't a... Um, a um, we'll call it uh, an auto-heavy writer. Auto is a supported line of business. Nonetheless, we're still being impacted by the industry, we'll call it um, domino effect. Uh, it's more or less a cross-sell, um, mm-hmm. and we bundle our account offerings. We'll write the comp and the GL. We typically won't write anything on a standalone basis, the comp being the only line of business. But um, with regards to selling the auto, it's not really a selling line of business for us. But we'll sell it by obviously promoting the rate savings that they'll be getting and or the rate savings on other the other pieces of business which is essentially what they're trying to probably place with us because in construction um the liability the gl is essentially the, the, the high risk um line of business and that's all driven by the new york labor law which is a specific statute that is um essentially imposes absolute liability on the insured, so the contractor. Um, it's a gravity-related law. It has to do with heights. So contractors, as you know, typically will, whether you're a structural steel contractor or an excavation contractor, you're working at uh, elevated heights. And um, if an injury were to occur that was a height-related risk, the client, the insured, um, to call it a general contractor in this sense, has basically the legal responsibility to put in place um, uh, all imaginable forms of prevention for that injury to have occurred. Would I mean, barring, irrespective. irrespective of the the negligence of the the individual of the individual the claimant. So he huh. could have he could have. Um, been responsible for his own injury. He could have been drinking on the job. He could have uh, been doing you know, recreational drug use. And I mean, it's a, it's a very very um, unfriendly insurance insured related law. But not to get too deviated away from the conversation, for us in construction, that's the high risk um, line of business which we cross sell the auto in tandem to. Gotcha. Um, so uh, getting back to, the, to the, the main discussion at large, the state of the industry in general, these are some of the hurdles uh, that we are facing on the underwriting side in terms of our drive to um, profitability. What, what other things are you doing besides trying to get the insured to take more uh, or bear more of the risk? What other things are you seeing that on the carrier side um, th- that they're trying to do to yeah to to 
you know, offset their own risk mm-hmm. or, or potential in a payout in a claim scenario besides, you know, offering higher deductibles or uh, on, on whether it be the liability or the auto or the mm-hmm. comp. What other things? I mean, reinsurance I know is a big thing. But what types of things are you seeing there? I mean, to, to like limit our risk profile, we do um, across the board uh, on a company basis and very, very much so on a profit center basis construction, we do use an abundance of reinsurance. So we will lay off a significant portions of the limits that we're putting out to the reinsurance markets. If we write a $2 million limit, uh, per occurrence, typically we'll write two million per occurrence, four million aggregate. We are laying off the second million of the per occurrence risk. So we'll hold one net. We'll lay off another million to the reinsurance markets. Mm-hmm. That's that. That's another method that we use, and we will do that on absolutely. I couldn't tell you one account that I've worked on where we haven't purchased uh, facultative reinsurance on the GL um, uh, itself, where we hold full two million net. And how does that how does that correlate to the pricing? Like what, when you were developing the pricing, obviously you need to turn around and utilize that in the pricing model when you guys develop that pricing what are you guys looking for essentially when you develop the pricing well I mean essentially we will build that pricing back into the bottom line dollar figure so mm-hmm. that, that comes I mean the insured will essentially be paying for that um, and uh, I mean so it's not I wouldn't necessarily call it a savings it's a it's um, a way of us also enhancing our personal profitability margins. And you're also insulating and yourself, I'm guessing. We're insulating ourselves, and when you run the modeling, obviously our our margins are widening by laying off that expense, or um, taking on that expense element, but laying off that exposure gotcha. um, piece. Um, from an insured standpoint, I mean, it's being built into their pricing. So, uh, I mean, yes, if you remove that cost, um, that's a savings for them, but that's um, a bigger... Uh, um, uh, uh, risk taking for us, um, gotcha. and and if you had any piece of advice to give any of the listeners that are, mm-hmm. again either agents, brokers, buyers. I mean, obviously you're going to have a variety of people listening to this podcast, but on the buyer side, the purchaser side, or the purchaser representative, the buyer representative, what type of advice would you give them to maybe, um, you know, negotiate the best. I don't want to call it terms, but the next best pricing terms um, for for their for their customer. I would absolutely um, inquire into whether facultative reinsurance is being purchased mm-hmm. on um, my placement for that account. Um, I would because that's going to be an additional cost built into your pricing. I mean, your underwriter should be very transparent and um, in answering that question, they have a fiduciary. We'll call it liability to uh, and, and a fiduciary responsibility to do so. Um, I would um, also have a detailed conversation with them with regards to the other expense components that go into the pricing. So um, part of that inflated reinsurance cost has something to do with a seed commission okay. that the carrier negotiates with the reinsurer. So typically that's a, uh, that's a cost above acquisition. Acquisition cost is the commission that you, as a carrier, pay your broker to place that piece of business. So in a scenario where we'll call it a general liability piece of business, the carrier is getting a ten, or the broker is getting a ten percent piece of uh, commission on the on that overall premium. 
we'll then build a seed commission. Our seed commission is in addition to that. So we'll call it, we'll build in 10% above acquisition cost. Gotcha. Um, so you can say to your carrier, well, I'd, you know, I'd appreciate it if you, I mean, didn't build in that additional acquisition cost or that additional seed commission above acquisition cost. Um, so these, I mean, these are all just uh, good questions to nope. have and conversation in the conversation dialogue to have with your underwriter. Okay, so I mean, for 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 from an agent or a broker side, that that those are some good questions. And then if you're a generalist, if you're just a buyer tuning in, saying, hey, you know, what's something that I should ask my broker, or if I'm dealing direct with the carrier, what are things that I can, you know, what kind of questions can I pose to to maybe, you know, more or less get a fix on what else is being used to. Um, drive the pricing um, models mm-hmm. uh, and and things to maybe potentially get that pricing down. Yeah. Um, obviously, I on mean, a case to case basis. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's uh, obviously. I mean, we run profitability metric modeling at the end of every account period. Uh, our goal being in construction. Uh, and I mean, I would I would be say it's safe to say this is just profit centered. Profit centers. You want to write. Um, relationship-driven business on a multi-year profitability base uh, uh, scenario. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, in construction, we don't look to write accounts on a one-off basis for one year and done. We want to write it for two, three, four, five years. And essentially, we want to write it profitably. In construction specifically, you have a high, high exposure in terms of payouts because of the labor law. So if you end up in, we'll call it a hole in year one, you want to build yourself out of that hole in year two. So if you suffer a million dollar loss year one, we want to retain that business year two, year three, year four. To get to, so to get to the answer that you're looking for, it's all relative to the performance of the account and being honest as a buyer or a broker. Um, if it is a profitable account, you're in more of a position to argue for rate decrease. Um, and as I alluded to earlier, asking the appropriate questions with regards to reinsurance. Well, why are you purchasing the 1X of 1 this year? When I look at these GL losses and or the losses on an overall account basis, I don't deem it necessary for you to do so. You might say you have a book of business mandate to do so, but I don't think this account justifies the purchasing and that additional, we'll call it $140,000 of reinsurance built into my $1 million premium on gotcha. that line of business. Yeah. Um, so those, I think those are all the accurate questions to ask. I mean, insurance carriers have loss development and loss cost multiplier uh, um, factoring that actuary departments derive. Um, those are typically proprietary, um, um, uh, that's proprietary information. So that all goes into the development of those, of that pricing and that varies carrier to carrier. Um, I mean, the other issue becomes, and, uh, and we're starting to you're seeing more and more market entrance into certain lines of business carriers and now this is like a macro thing again are having a hard time getting rate they're obviously again underperforming on the underwriting piece so in order to be able to um, leverage pricing more larger carriers the AIGs of the world the Hartfords of the world they're purchasing and acquiring specialty carriers yeah. so constructions and specialty line of business they'll go out and they'll sp- they'll buy a we'll call it construction underwriting practice hypothetically because they feel they can leverage and inflate jack the cost up to get them to a break even uh, um, standpoint again so you'll see if you look around in the news there's a lot of ac- a, a carrier acquisition of specialty lines carriers but then that also essentially evolves into what we're seeing now where in new york we used to see two or three insurance carriers you're seeing four five six and this is 
playing itself out throughout the country. Mm -hmm. I mean, what that essentially uh, uh, evolves to is then an oversaturation of carriers. You end up right back at square one, where you're depleting terms and conditions. You're 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 just following form to the market. You're lowering price. So um, it's a very difficult dynamic, and it's just synopsis of any market. So I, I know you're market correction. I, I know you're you're primarily working on accounts in the tri-state area that, mm -hmm. that have New York City exposure. I mean that's really what your focus is. But um, I'm I'm going to imagine that you work on accounts that that don't come into the tri-state. I mean because again that's your practice group. Yeah. In general, um, how are things? unfolding in these other parts of the country. I mean, I can't speak too granularly to the to the inner workings of those markets particularly. Yeah. But what I can tell you is it's more of a, a market saturation element um there more so than New York. And what I mean by that again is so the laws are more conducive so there's the more carriers law, willing to Yeah, the laws are more gotcha. conducive and so you have more and more. I mean if New York you have five car you had three carriers in the space here uh you know, two years ago, now you have five. There you had five, and now you have ten. Gotcha. So that, that you know, there's there's a there's a, a higher multiple of carriers gotcha. um, fighting for business and fending for business in uh, in those market territories. Gotcha. So um, yeah, I mean. So I mean, so basically, I guess you know, in a, in a nutshell, big things affecting the local area are, are, are obviously labor law um, pertaining mm -hmm. to we'll call it construction business, but in general, reinsurance and profitability. Um, for all carriers and all industries um, because you know their I'll call it their ROI is down their under underwriting profitability is down that's what I'm gathering mm -hmm. out of this um, you know so just a few things to look out for folks as you uh, you get into uh, renewal time and and you know you're, you're looking to put out your uh, your program for bid um, Again, we're going to be coming back with you know a variety of episodes touching on a variety of topics. Um, we're going to try to keep them anywhere from between 15 to 30 minutes long because we don't want to talk your ear off. We just want to give you some good points and, and some good advice for you to go to bat for yourselves and for your customers. Um, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, at info at riskchannels.com or you can check out our affiliated agency website at www.aseinternational.com. Again, I'm Mark Zettel, uh, Managing Director of ASE International, and this is Matthew Zettel, uh, construction underwriter at an unnamed entity at this moment. Uh, folks, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good one.